Would you turn with me tonight, if you can find Lamentation again? Well, suppose I take you to Jeremiah 30, all right? Jeremiah 30. Lamentation, there was only one verse that I... Uh, let's go to Lamentation, the third chapter. Lamentation, the third chapter. Lamentation 3. As you know, last week I had spoken on this portion uh, and had shown how God works and how we get so dejected and despairing and for several reasons we can get dejected and despairing because things aren't going just right. You know, sometimes it's family, home life. Sometimes it can be business. It can be all kinds of things. It can be problems with the children. It can be problems with the children with the parents. It can be problems in, in all kinds of areas. And of course, too, I think that uh, the greatest problem is undoubtedly sin. This is the thing that shackles our hearts and uh, it's a, a hard thing to come to grips with because uh, so few would ever really reveal their hearts. Paul is a, is a very rare man. It's not like the chief uh, of all apostles, is it, to say, I am the chief of sinners. When men are in high prestige offices, they're not likely to abase themselves. But uh, the word of God is just a little different, you see. He that is a base shall be exalted. And so Paul is a rare man in that he really can look into his own heart. And in doing so, he gets you to look into your own heart. That's what he really wants to do. That, and as a matter of fact, that's what Romans 7 wants you to do. To get a look into your own heart and see in there the great, great uh, iniquity that is in all of us. As I said, it's not an easy subject to deal with because we're so inclined to cover ourselves. Uh, even though the scripture says, he that covers his sins shall not prosper, but he that confesses them and forsakes them shall find mercy. Yet, at, uh, knowing that, we're still inclined to cover them. It's good that we do. But God doesn't want you to cover them to him. That's our problem. I grant you that I am not any, any kind of a preacher that believes, like, for instance, in what we would call the old Oxford movement, where people come. May I say that this is uh, some of the hippie movements are... On the, in another area, a lot like the, the old Oxford movement in the church where people came together in little groups and frankly confessed all the thoughts of their minds and their hearts. Imagine what a terrible thing this was, that this was to be a purifying element, that you confess every vile sin that you've ever committed openly to each other. And I can tell you that it did nothing but crush individuals who had never engaged in some of the sins 
that were confessed to such things. And in some of the hippie groups, this is the very thing that goes on in some of their meetings. There is a, an openness. In other words, tell it as it is. And I have to say that while Paul told it as it is, he also told it as it should be. And there's a big difference there. It's one thing to tell it as it is, and it's another thing to tell it as it should be, you see. So, often I think that uh, in our looking at ourselves, we just don't get that proper perspective. And I, as I said this morning, I think this is a tremendous thing when you can get a good look at yourself with a very great frankness, if you're a mother, to see yourself what kind of a mother you are, really. I, and I don't mean to gloss the surface, or a father, or a preacher, or a Sunday school teacher, what, whatever you may do to see yourself, what you really are. Is there any phoniness about you? Uh, what are the innermost recesses of your soul? Do you ever really get a look at yourself? Hmm? It's, a, it's a tremendous capacity if you can do this. It's the beginning of being able to conquer. It's the beginning of being able to conquer. Because if you can really look at yourself, then God can begin to deal with you. Now, in this portion in Lamentation, I had read to you last week, beginning at the 15th verse. I'll start there and we'll go down just a little further. Uh, here, the patriarch of old is saying, He hath filled me with bitterness, speaking of God. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forget prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering mine affliction and my misery and the wormwood and the gall. Now, nothing, I don't think I've ever read a sadder portion than that. All he thinks of that last verse I read there is really sad. Remembering all of these things. Uh, how terrible to have this on your heart and to see here this terrible bitterness that had become part of his life. And God had undoubtedly dealt with him. I'm sure that David was bitter in his sin as God dealt with him. After all, if the hand of God is heavy upon you, there can be all sorts of things worked up within the breast, bitterness and resentment and all these other things. Because we would try to justify ourselves so often, no matter what we do, the inclination of our human hearts is to justify ourselves. If it's some disagreement or dispute you've had with somebody, you, you try to justify yourself, that you're right and they're wrong. And this is the inclination of our hearts. But here, uh, in these portions, he tells of his terrible feelings within. And then in the 20th verse, he said, My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. In other words, as he looked back at this, and uh, he said, I, I still can think of that. You know, you've done this, haven't you? You can go back and you think, Boy, I remember that day. What a terrible, terrible time I went through. What a terrible trial that was of my faith. And here he's saying that. I, I brought it to my remembrance. I, 
my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled within me as I look back and I see that terrible feeling of heart and uh, I really didn't come to grips with it at all. I let it prey on my mind. And uh, we all do that. We let it prey on our minds. How we can build things up, eh? One little thing, one little offense of some kind, and we build it up, build it up, build it up until you're just about ready, you know, you're going to explode, you know. And here, as he looks back at all of that bitterness, he practically blamed God. He said, I've perished as far as God is concerned. He says, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Now, this was not true at all. God never wanted to take that from him. The only reason God removes your blessings is to deal with you. God never willingly has removed blessing from any one of his children. He only removes it when he wants to deal with you. He can't bless you and at the same time correct you. The two things don't go together. If God is blessing you, you will not be seeking out the correction. And God withdraws his blessing and his benefits as his child wanders away. And so God dealt with this, this man. And he says, this I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Now, here's the 22nd verse. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. That's a wonderful hymn, isn't it? Morning by morning new mercies I see. That's where it came from. That's where the hymn came from. That's where the hymn writer got it. Great is thy faithfulness. But notice he says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Now, may I just a few thoughts here that I'd like to mention. Number one, his compassions are not momentarily wrung from him because of your abject despair. Now, this may be true on the, on the human level. You know, uh, one human being to another human being may have what we would call a temporary mercy upon you, uh, a temporary compassion. In the depths of your despond and your despair, some human, some other Christian has that uh, feeling of mercy and you're sensitive to it and you thank God that there's someone who is compassionate. Even if you've sunken very low, you're so thankful for a Christian brother or sister who really have compassion on you. But here it's entirely different. The Lord is, remember, it is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They're not temporary. They're not conditional. They do not vary. 
He's compassionate to you because you're his son by faith in Jesus Christ. You belong to him. And so as a father loves his children, so he loves you. He may have to chasten you very deeply, but he will be doing it in compassion. His compassions never fail. If the ninety and the nine are within the fold and the one has gone astray, he'll go after the one that has gone astray that he may bring that one back to the fold. His compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. Aren't you glad it's not at night that his compassions are new? I'm so glad it's in the morning. That's when you need it. You know, when you wake up and you're looking forward to the day and the day doesn't look so good. It's nice to know that the Lord's compassions are fresh every morning. New every morning. And I couldn't help but think when I read that of how blessedly that fits into our New Testament concept of the compassions of the Lord and how blessed he has been to us. Over in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, it says this beginning at the, the, let's see, the 19th verse. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new, notice, a new and living way. In that portion over in Lamentation, it says they are new every morning. And now we've had this wonderful entrance into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus, and it's a new and a living way. And the word new in the Greek means a freshly slain sacrifice. Every single morning, it's brand new. Christian, do you know that? When you wake up in the morning, you don't look back to yesterday? Hmm? Very important. If you're going to look backward, you'll be no good for today. You'll be no good for tomorrow. We're what? Pressing toward the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ, toward it. Forgetting those things that are behind me, I what? Press, press, press. Yesterday may have been a very despondent day, a very difficult day in your life, but there's to be that going on. The way into the holiest of all has been opened by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way. Freshly slain, sac slain sacrifice every morning we're to think the blood of Jesus Christ is just as efficacious today as it was the day he shed it on the cross of Calvary still has a tremendous cleansing power from sin. Lord, I'm cleansed every whit like Peter of old. You've cleansed me, and Lord, now I would press. I'm so thankful for the new and living way that has allowed me to come in your divine presence. New and living, new mercies every morning. Wonderful to start the day that way. How do you start your day? Do you start your day with that kind of a spiritual energy? Hmm? A spiritual energy. In other words, I'm free. Yesterday is past. I made my mistakes. 
I sinned, Lord, I, I did this, I've confessed it openly in my heart, I haven't hid a thing, Lord. I'll never hide anything from you, Lord, because I can't hide from you. Where shall I hide from God? Shall I go to the highest mountain? He is there. Shall I go into the deepermost parts of the sea? He is there. He knoweth the secrets of my heart. And so, Lord, I have a completely open heart to thee. Look in and see anything that's within me, Lord, and cleanse me from any hidden iniquity that might be in me. And then in that morning, in that freshness of forgiveness, that, that, that's the big thing. There must be the absolute freshness of forgiveness. Sins are cleared away so that that glorious access is there. And that's exactly what it says here. The blood has opened the way into the holy of holies by a new and living way. You see, you can't get into that holy of holies except through the blood, and the blood cleanses from sin. And so God is telling you, before you come in, you've got to go through the blood to come to me and be cleansed of all your sin and then take that glorious access into his presence, the new and the living way. I couldn't help but think when I realized that that word in the Greek, that new and living way, meant a, a freshly slain sacrifice, that Jesus' sacrifice never has grown old. It will always be freshly slain sacrifice, fresher than any sacrifice that Israel could ever make. This blood of Jesus Christ gives access. Now at this very moment, as you and I sit here, the only access we have into the Holy of Holies is through the blood of Jesus, as fresh in its power today as it ever was. And then I couldn't help but think of, the, of Romanism and how I, every morning I see as I leave my house and start over here and I see people just going out for the eight o'clock mass and you see them all going toward the mass and what are they doing? They're starting the day. They're starting the day at the sacrifice of the mass because they believe that if they would go through the sacrifice of the mass, then the way of grace is given to them, so they have grace for that day, and they're redeemed for that day. They will not have to worry. That's why you see the Romans of 80 and 90 years of age. They are the ones that struggle to the church because they know that if they die that day, if they've had the sacrifice of the Mass, it has opened the way for them, and their sins are gone and covered, and that's it, you see. But how blessed it is here to see that the way was opened by Jesus and his own blood, notice that, a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And see, when you are on the Roman Catholic altar, the veil is there. And the host is in the tabernacle. And the host is taken out of the tabernacle and the sacrifice of the mass takes place. And all these figures were done away in the Old Testament. They were figures. And if we read Hebrews here, just a little before that, in the 11th verse, it says, And every priest who stands daily ministering and offering, offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, forever. 
sat down on the right hand of God. Ah, this is our high priest, you see. Now, if you go back to the portion we just were reading in the 20, uh, first verse, it says, and having a high priest over the house of God. This is Jesus Christ. No man-made priest. Having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near. Look at now. With a true heart in full assurance of faith. Don't pass that, huh? Don't pass that. Boy, underline that, huh? In full assurance of faith. Not one bit of doubt, you see. This is the thing. This is how you enter. Full assurance of faith. No one has ever really entered into that holy place and enjoyed it except this full assurance of faith. Oh, you may have had the position. You may have been perfectly entitled to it. But many things that we own the title to, we don't possess. We have the title through Jesus' blood to enter into the Holy of Holies and to come with boldness and confidence into that place. But unless there's full assurance of faith, you'll not enter it and enjoy it and abide there day by day and morning by morning. Let me ask you, in the mornings, have you been entering into the holy place? Have you been entering into the Holy of Holies? That's what it says here. Let us draw near. How close have you drawn to Jesus Christ? How close have you really drawn to him? Have you gone with full assurance of faith? Has your faith conquered it all? Have you, by that faith in Jesus Christ, you're confident, absolutely confident, that he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Have you that full assurance of faith? Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. You want a compassionate Savior? That's what it told us over in Lamentation. It says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions, they fail not. Have you partaken of his compassion? Have you really entered in through the blood of Jesus in the full assurance of faith? It says with a true heart, and I'm glad it says true heart, God won't let you come in with a false heart. It is with the heart that a man believes and with the mouth confession is made of salvation. But I want to remind you that the mouth can confess it from now till doomsday, but if the heart does not believe, all the confessions in the world are useless in Jesus Christ. This world is filled with people who take the name of Jesus and call themselves Christians and their hearts are far off from God. They have denied the power thereof. 
And so, beloved, here it says we must come with a, with a true heart. A heart that's really been converted, that's been cleansed in the blood of the Lamb. And come and draw near in that full assurance of faith. How can you know that you have that full assurance of faith? What is the test? Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Heart sprinkled by his blood from an evil conscience. There remaineth no more conscience of sin if you're redeemed. Oh, you may fail God, but you'll know this cannot plunge you into hell. You'll know that you are still his son. You are still his daughter. You may sin but your heart has been sprinkled from an evil conscience in the blood of Jesus Christ. And your entrance into the Holy of Holies and that full assurance of faith is all tied up together with knowing that your conscience is free and you're a free man, made free by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the whole secret. It starts right out that way. The blood has opened the way into the Holy of Holies. Our conscience are sprinkled. You know, I, when I do that, I, I almost say in my heart, I can feel the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing me, purifying me, and making me righteous in his sight, in him, and not in Martin Gann. Martin Ginn would never get into heaven because he's Martin Ginn. He'll only get into heaven because he's in Christ. And so there is the great purification. This is a new and living way. It's morning by morning his mercies I see. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. That's where it all came from. It's a great hymn, isn't it, Fred? Great is thy faithfulness. Have you really partaken of this? Have you? Is it part and parcel of you? As you read that portion in, in Hebrews, do you say in your heart, let, us, let me draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having my heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and my body washed with pure water. Do you remember the verse we used this morning when we were speaking in, when we read the responsive reading this morning? And it says, Now are ye clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. And the water here gloriously typifies the word of God, having our bodies washed in pure water. The water of the word. Now are ye clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Have you that? How do you start your day? Morning by morning, new mercies I see. When you wake in the morning, do you go and say to him, Now, Lord, 
Thou hast said I'm to draw near with a true heart through the blood of Jesus. I'm to have full assurance of faith. I have it. Lord, thou hast said my heart is to be sprinkled from an evil conscience. Lord, I possess it. I may fail thee today, but Lord, I don't intend to. Ah, that's important. You may, but you don't intend to. You intend to win the battle. And you intend to have that great confidence and that boldness in going into that place. Notice the last one I'm reading here. And let us hold fast. Notice 23rd verse, the profession of our faith. What's the next two words? Without wavering. And then why will you not waver? What does it say? For he is faithful that promised. It's taken care. The way is opened. It's his promise. Take it. Try it in the morning. All right? Get this portion out here. Hebrews 10. Read it over. Lord, I'm coming. And read that portion on the evil conscience and get that heart sprinkled. Start out the day alive, not in the deadness of yesterday. Yesterdays are sad lots, aren't they? Huh? But in the glories of today. Remember, the Scripture makes clear, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. There's enough problems coming today before you than to look backward. Forget those things that are behind you and press toward the mark of the high calling of Christ. Intention to please God and win the battle through the Holy Spirit of God in your everyday life. Let us pray. Father, we thank thee for thy precious word and bless it to our hearts. Lord, we're so thankful that Jesus opened the way for us, not as priests who stand daily ministering the same sacrifices which could never take away sin, but one sacrifice for sins forever. And then he sat down on the right hand of God because it was all finished. And we're thankful that the way unto the holiest was opened for us by the blood of Jesus. Now, Father, we pray tonight that we will understand that the patriarch of old spoke of the compassion of the Lord. Great is his faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. And, O oh, Father, if he could see those mercies, how much more we who've been redeemed in the blood of Christ. He looked forward to the coming of Messiah. We look back to the finished work of Messiah. And, Father, we do praise thee that the veil has been rent in twain, and now as thy children, we have access to our Father through the blood of Jesus Christ. May we enter every morning, start the day right, and then live the day for God. In Christ's name, amen.